on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me wanna shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. Here on ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. Heard on 96.5 FM, what's happening, Mohawk Valley? What's happening wherever you're listening today? Perhaps on the ESPN app, that's a great way to get in touch with the show listen wherever you are whatever you're doing such a bummer man yesterday bright sunshiny day everybody's out paulie sebelia's walking the dog today though another gray miserable cold 52 degree day in syracuse let me put on my droopy dog voice let me put in my eeyore voice what happened to the sun poo so hope you're still getting through the rainy, miserable, wet Tuesday here in central New York. But the beauty of it is you could be anywhere, anywhere in the world, listening on the ESPN app. Just find the Listen tab, find ESPN Syracuse, and off you go. A great way to connect with the show. Here's how you get in touch so you can get your hot takes flowing on these airwaves. That's hot. 437-7644, that's the phone number. You can hit me on Twitter. Brent Axe Media, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. Those are all terrific ways to get your voice heard on the show today. We have two guests that will join us, both in uh, the 5 o'clock hour. So we're guest-free here in hour number one, two guests in hour number two. My friend and colleague from Syracuse.com, Chris Carlson, is going to join the show. number of roundabout topics to get to with Chris. Yesterday's football news that we discussed about No single-game tickets left for Clemson. 6,000 season tickets new sold for Syracuse football. The Syracuse football discussions we're having even here in May. I've got another tidbit there to bring up with you here in this hour. A giant leap that Dino Babers made that I want to discuss with you. Chris will also uh, join us to discuss kind of the remnants of the college basketball FBI trials that were just taking place in New York City and other college athletics discussions, latest on the Dome discussions and all the things that Chris and I seem to get into when he joins the show. Looking forward to that. Coming up, Eric Dungy's future with the Giants amongst the other topics. Right after that, my friend and Syracuse alum now with WBZ in Baston, Adam Kaufman's going to join the show. 
So you have the Boston Bruins, who advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals. You have the Boston Celtics, who are one loss away from elimination. I'll have to get some Red Sox talk in there, and I guess we'll be obliged to discuss any Patriots things. But I wanted to get Adam on to get the Boston perspective about what it's like in that city right now, given the recent string of success that teams have had there. The Red Sox win the World Series. The Patriots win the Super Bowl. The Bruins very well could win the Stanley Cup. The Celtics look to be on the verge of losing not only this series with Milwaukee and being eliminated, but losing Kyrie Irving as well, which is on the lips of everybody NBA-wise. We'll get Adam on to discuss all those things. We'll go on the blind side. We'll do some hot takes, including on the NBA action last night. And something very obvious about the NBA that I want to discuss anyway. I'll tell you what that's all about coming up. What does the NBA Combine mean for your NBA future? And we're all monitoring to see if Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett, both one or the other, could work their way into the NBA Combine in Chicago. Just what does that mean? But I want to start with a little Syracuse lacrosse who gets ready for Loyola on Saturday in the start of the NCAA tournament. And while this is never far from anybody's mind, it never hurts to have a fresh reminder of this. And what I'm talking about is a great article that I saw via our friend Matthew Gutierrez of the Daily Orange. Does a little work for Syracuse.com. I mean, Goody's writing for everybody these days. Washington Post, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, We're talking about the next big writing star from Syracuse University. Goody is going to go on to do big and and bold things. He's already doing it, already writing for a lot of big outlets out there, and I really enjoy his work. And and he wrote a story today for the New York Times, in this case, about lacrosse and the growth of the sport. And again, it's not a new subject to people that follow the sport day in and day out, but it's always interesting to look at it because the sport expands so quickly and is so different. And Here you have just one example. Penn State, led by, of course, West Genesee grad Jeff Tambroni, former Cornell head coach, now at Penn State. Things have kind of come full circle, finally, a lot of great recruiting classes and building that program up. But here we stand in May of 2019, 10 years after Syracuse last won a national championship in the college lacrosse world. And here we stand with Penn State the number one overall seed out of a league that didn't even exist four years ago. I mean, just stop right there, and that tells you how the sport continues to expand. Now, some people hear that, and they look at it as an excuse, and they don't want to hear that because if you are amongst the programs in college lacrosse that have dominated the sport, have the name brands that they do, the more you cite and point at and Look at, well, look at Penn State, look at Denver, and look at the fact that it's the fastest-growing high school sport in the country and all these things that people will point out and will point out fairly about why. And as Goody points out here, and it doesn't hurt to remind you, okay, from 1978 until 2009, we knew who the big powers were in college lacrosse, Syracuse, Johns Hopkins, Princeton, North Carolina, Virginia. Those five programs won every NCAA title in that time frame, from 1978 to 2009, 2009 being the last time Syracuse won a national title. Those five programs have won two in the decades since. 
new programs getting in, winning titles, Duke, Loyola, Denver, Yale. We mentioned Penn State now coming out of the Big Ten. Didn't even exist five years ago, but now has the number one overall seed in the sport. Lacrosse, as we mentioned, the number of high school players has doubled just in the last, let's see here, 13 years. In 2006, there were 162,021 high school lacrosse players. In 2017, that number reached 324,689. That's according to U.S. Lacrosse. You've got players from California, Florida, the Midwest. It used to be New York, Maryland, a little bit of Canada, but it was basically Central New York, Long Island, Maryland. Now the hot spots are all over the country with how the sport is growing. Bigger talent pool, more sports, or more schools, pardon me, are adding the sport, more scholarships to be had. You know the story, especially if you're somebody who follows the sport and knows the sport. You're just kind of, you know, you're preaching to the choir at this point, right? So Syracuse goes in and they get Loyola. They have not been to a national title game since 2013. They have not been to a Final Four since 2014. By Syracuse standards, and even by asking by Syracuse standards, by what standards? Historical standards? Because it's not current standards. But by Syracuse standards, when you throw everything into the discussion, to not win a title in a decade, to not have been to a Final Four if they don't get there this year in five years, that is a long, long time. But when you measure it against the realities of the sport and the talent being spread out and all the new programs that have popped up, and it's interesting how many of these newer programs have some sort of Central New York connection. You know, you look at Jacksonville and there's John Galloway. I mentioned Jeff Tambroni, Central New York boy, West Jenny, started at Cornell and now is Penn State going places. So even though the sport is growing beyond the traditional areas, the traditional strength areas of central New York and Maryland and Long Island, when you look at some of these new places, chances are there's a connection to the old guard there while still expanding and growing. You know, Casey Powell, as Goody wrote about in his story, is in Chicago now growing the sport. It's incredible to see. Now, all that being said and being fair, I still miss the days when you could get excited about another Final Four, book it, Memorial Day weekend. And there's a little twist in this week in that Syracuse got into the tournament as an at-large, and John Desco had to make the case, a case he did not win, that Syracuse should host a game, should play a home game. They've got to travel. So there's yet another thing that Syracuse lacrosse fans are not used to. And look at, and they say, well, how am I supposed to judge this? Am I supposed to judge this as that's a failure of this coach in this program? Because of everything I just said, why does Syracuse miss the boat on that? As some people have fairly pointed out, and it is something to think about. Well, with all this expanding talent, doesn't Syracuse have the history, the pedigree, the resources, the geography, the the great league that they're in, like, if there's so many more talented players out there, why aren't you getting at least your fair share of them? If the sport's expanding and getting better and you have other places to go recruit, why has that made you worse? 
it's a fair question to ask because it's easy to point and say, well, there's so many other programs and it's not just the traditional five anymore. It's like, yeah, but there's a lot more players out there that know how to really play this game. A lot of talent, a lot of diverse talent. You can go other places, not just the traditional areas that you always mind to get players. That's a fair point to bring up. So you just kind of add that to the mix. Okay, yeah, maybe they didn't get to the Final Four every year. And then they started losing first-round games to teams that you didn't think they would lose first-round games to, lose at home, and you had to get used to that. And then you had to get used to a string of years where they didn't even sniff the Final Four. Now, not even hosting a game on graduation slash Mother's Day weekend, that's, that's kind of weird, too. But if you look at it fairly and look at the season as a whole and look, I mean, when they lost to Colgate to start the season, I mean, don't get me wrong, that's significant. But the way they recover from that, some games that they won as the season went along, some close games, some back-and-forth games, again, it all represents what the sport is now. Nine and four by traditional Syracuse standards is not what you would expect. But given everything laid out that I've discussed and some things that I have not, I don't know, maybe that's just what it is now. Maybe that's just the expectation. So they don't host a game, which is weird. They don't make the Final Four this year. Then that means what? I think we used to know the answer to that, but I'm not sure I do. Now, there are those that will quickly say, well, I'll tell you what that means. That means this. Because they're passionate fans, they're diehard fans, they're used to a certain thing, a standard has been set. And they look at it that way. You're in the best league. The talent pool's bigger. So you should still be competitive. If anything, it should have reinforced how strong you can be. That, that's a fair way to put it. So it's just this kind of little crumbling of traditions that we've seen. And things do not remain the same. You're just never going to get back to those year-in, year-out days. But I think it is fair to point at Syracuse and say they're still in the upper echelon of the conversation and should not go five years without a Final Four run, should not go a decade without a national championship run. They're still, yeah, they're not one of the five big dogs anymore, but they're still in that group of people that should be knocking on that door. So as we go through the week, we'll kind of look at the matchup a little bit more. We'll have on some other guests look at Syracuse Loyola specifically. But today I was kind of thinking big picture, because is the fact that they are not hosting a game this weekend just a blip on the radar screen, just the way this year went? Or is it yet another sign of how Syracuse is fading behind? In the right here, right now, historically you can't touch them, but in the right here, right now, where is their place in big-time college lacrosse? So we can discuss that more coming up. I want to get into what it means for O'Shea Brissett and Tyus Battle in terms of if they don't get invited to the NBA Combine in Chicago, they still might earn their way in. They're going to the G League Elite Camp. But can they earn their way to Chicago and what that means to be invited to Chicago in your NBA future? If you're somebody that doesn't find yourself there, well, what exactly does that mean? Dino Babers made a big leap, a big leap, in an interesting ranking that we'll tell you about. Coming up, we'll do some hot takes. Chris Carlson later, Adam Kaufman later. We'll go on the blind side. A lot to do as we cruise through this rainy Tuesday here in central New York. Never rain on this guy's parade, though. Let's bring him in. Let's see how the stock market did today.
And I know how it did today, so that's actually an appropriate reference to make. Lee Baldwin, what Where? the heck happened today, my friend? It's it's Tom Petty time. It's free falling on the market. My goodness. We haven't talked in weeks, it I feels know. like. Oh, good to hear your voice again, my friend. I'm back. Yeah, right in time for this. But, He's back, baby. Um, but the stocks, yeah, they were down pretty. By the way, there's a Casanova kid on the Loyola team. So. There you go. So, See, the growth of the sport, like <laughs> I was talking about. <laughs> um, but stocks were down pretty good. Less than 2%, though. We had a little rally at the close. But okay. Still, Kind of ugly looking. So So it was China, right? It was the China stock, uh, not stock, the China trade thing that kind of spooked some people today. Yeah, the art of the deal. We're right in the middle of a deal. Sometimes it gets a little Uh, ugly, you know, but uh, uh, I think things will work out. Okay. We got some diamonds and dogs today. I do have a diamond. I found a diamond. There's a couple after hours, but uh, meatless meat, beyond meat, it was up four bucks again today. So uh, that traded as high as 85 bucks. Wait, 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 wait. Say that again. Meatless meat? It's a, yeah, Beyond Meat, they make uh, burgers, sausage. It looks and tastes just like the real thing. Really? They're in Carl's Jr.'s. Bill Gates is an investor. Wow. This is this like a thing. could be good for us, guys like us. See, I'm, I'm thinking that because, of course, the manly man, I mean, says, no, I'd rather have real meat. <laughs> but then, you know, you go to the doctor and they say, you know, that cholesterol's not <laughs> looking so good. So maybe I should look into this meatless meat thing. Yeah, it's, it's very hot on the market right now. So, and our, our dog, I'm just going to say a pick him because most things were red today. Um, but, uh, you know, it was kind of across the board. So, um so it's Burger Free uh, Monday, I guess. Tuesday. <laughs> there you Tuesday. go. Meatless Tuesdays. <laughs> I'll have to look into that. All right, let's see if we can rally for tomorrow, Lee. We'll talk to you again then, my friend. You got it. Thank you. All right, that's Lee Baldwin, ladies and gentlemen. You can find him online at LeeBaldwin.com. You can also find him in Casanova, Utica, Manlius, and all the great offices of Lee Baldwin and Company. Even on a rough day like today, they can find the diamonds for you and avoid the dog. So your portfolio is looking good. Let's break on that note. More to come, including a big rise. I'll tell you whose stock was up. That's Dino Babers, head coach of yours, Syracuse Football Orange. Thanks, Brent. You're welcome, Coach. We'll tell you about that next. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You're On the Block ESPN Radio. Great to have you here on this Tuesday. Cruising along, baby. You want to join the party? 437-7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. What do you say we uh, hit that fancy open, do some hot takes? We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for hot takes on the block. Now, certainly something we'll bring up with uh, Adam Kaufman when he joins us next hour. But if you missed it last night, uh, Brad Marchand of your Boston Bruins, uh, not in a very chatty mood after the game. Thanks, Jim Brad. You said after the third game of the series, there's no panic in the room. What can you say about the way your group handled the next three games and ultimately advancing to the conference final? We did a good job. No, Tukarask was saying, this core isn't getting any younger. What do you make of the opportunity that lies ahead of you? It's been fun. So I see where this is going here. I'll ask you one more about your line. It got back together. You had said the chances over there were just starting to bury it these last few games. What kind of zone are you three in? We're good. Thanks. Well, that was worth it, Jim. 
That was a total of 10 words in three questions for Brad Marchand, who apparently the backstory is had a little bit of a history with that reporter who is a reporter for a Canadian television station. I, I don't have the gentleman's name right here in front of me. Uh, actually, here, I think I can find it for you. Uh, uh, yes, Kyle. Oh, boy. Don't make me try and say this. Bukowskis, I believe is how you say that, from CBC Sportsnet. So that was a Canadian reporter, Canadian television, that you know covers the National Hockey League from a Canadian perspective, much like NBC Sports does, for U.S. television. Marshan continued that, by the way. I think we I, this audio might be a little low, but I want to see if we can play a little bit of it for you here in the post-game scrum afterwards. Let's listen. So as you can hear, it's kind of, I know that audio is a little low, but every word, one answer, two answers, he's kind of got this, let's say, bleep-eaten grin on his face. And at one point during that scrum, somebody asked him, like, did you make a bet with somebody to have the fewest amount of words said in a post-game press conference? And he kind of smiled at that. He kind of broke character at that. He said, maybe was the answer to that one. And this comes off the heels, of course, That's hot. of Russell Westbrook. Next question and how, just tell me how this comes off looking good. Now, I know some people look at the media and don't like the way we do our job sometimes, but that interview I played, I mean, those were good questions. Your team just won. You're advancing to the Eastern Conference Finals, and this is how you treat it. Thanks, Jim Brad. You said after the third game of the series, there's no panic in the room. What can you say about the way your group handled the next three games and ultimately advancing to the conference final? We did a good job. No, Tuka Rask was saying, this core isn't any younger. What do you make of the opportunity that lies ahead of you? It's been fun. I mean, props to that reporter for how he handled that, and he said it. We heard it in the first time we played the clip. I, I see where this is going, right? Tell me how this makes him look better or how Russell Westbrook looks better. What struck me about that is hockey players tend not to be like this. I've seen plenty of moody NBA players. I've seen football players, prima donna wide receivers, right? I mean, certain sports garner certain reputations for a while. You typically don't see this in the National Hockey League because they can't be that way. That's hot. Because hockey needs to promote itself. It needs to be the sport where the athletes give good answers and are personable and are people that you would want to hang out with. So I don't know what Brad Marchand's trying to prove there. Maybe Adam can give us a little more of a backstory on that when he joins us next hour. But who comes across looking better in those situations? It's rare that you do. Well, now let's go to the NBA because the Rockets and Warriors tied at two. Harden dribbles to the top of the arc, retreats two steps, keeps the dribble alive. Steps in on Thompson, steps back for three. Got it! Got it, got it, got it. Harden's cooking again. The lead is 17 and a pass into the rim of Rigadala, tapped out of bounds. It'll stay with Golden State, but that's 24 now for James Harden. That was a fun game. And a game where I thought... The Warriors would be well on their way to winning in five. The Rockets come back and tie this thing. Now, if the Rockets are going to beat Golden State, they have to win four out of five. Can they do that? Well, if Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and the guys you count on, I mean, Durant has been amazing in the series, but 
Golden State went 8 of 33 from three-point range last night. 8 of 33. I mean, Steph made a couple of big shots down the stretch, but you could just see enough holes in the Death Star that this Warriors team is beatable. The Rockets have seen them enough and have seen them so many times that they're not intimidated by the Warriors anymore. You can see them fighting back. They thought when Harden got poked in the eye and, like, There's just been enough reasons for the Rockets not to be in this thing. We know the Warriors can kick it into gear, win the next two games, and we'll forget about all this. But you can kind of see the kinks in the armor. Everybody's talking about Durant leaving, and Steph's had a couple of rough games. Certainly the game before that was much rougher than last night, but I'm almost rooting for it now. It's funny how dynasties work, and it's funny how... You look at teams that have been around forever, the Yankees and Duke basketball, and Golden State has kind of made its way in, and they've been one of the more likable dynasties that have been out there. I mean, nobody disliked Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls. I think they don't fit in that category. People get sick of Alabama. Clemson's getting into that mix now. I mean, it goes both ways. I don't think anybody's sick of Golden State. I like Golden State. I like how they play. I love Steve Kerr. I I just, all these things kind of run their course. Not that Houston's that much more likable, but I'm almost rooting for it at this point. I'm almost, and I say the word almost because Golden State's always capable of just awing you. And I don't think Houston can awe me as great as Harden is. So that's a 2-2. We'll get more into the celtics Bucks series when Adam Kaufman joins us later. But I know I'm just stating the obvious here, and I want to play another highlight here just to kind of emphasize my point. Let's hit it. Now with five, Giannis spins, takes it right to the hoop, and flushes it home. Fouled and a chance for three. A highlight play for the Greek freak on a dagger throwdown by Giannis. Can I just state something really obvious right now? The amazing level of talent that's in the NBA as we speak, because people look at, oh, the ratings are down, and depending on what numbers you look at, what series it is, but people say it's a LeBron factor. If it's 10, 12, 14%, that's the percentage of people that watch for LeBron. And that's fine, and I get that, but have you seen Giannis? Have you seen Steph? Have you seen Klay Thompson? Have you seen what Kawhi Leonard is doing with Toronto right now? And I'm going to leave some names out of this. James Harden, who I just brought up a moment ago. As much as Kyrie Irving can be a real pain in the tuchus, and we'll get into that later, he can be amazing. Yeah, LeBron's not there, but every series, even Denver, has a can't-miss player. Every team left, if you look at Portland, has a top-level player, has a a can't-miss, you-would-stop-and-watch-this-player, no-matter-what-team-they-were-on type of talent. And I know I'm stating the obvious there. Oh, thanks for the memo there, Brent. It's the NBA. But there are stars, there are superstars, and then there are just elite talents. And I think the NBA has so many elite talents that, frankly, are better to watch than LeBron at times. LeBron's the best player in the world, and nobody's disputing that. I think Durant is edging him in that conversation, and it's unfair to do it now because it's easy to pick on LeBron when the Lakers are are done. But he chose to go there. He chose to associate himself with that, and the more the Lakers don't live up to that and don't put talent around him and don't get into the playoffs and deep into the Western Conference postseason, that's his problem. He, This is what he wanted. This is what you wanted. You wanted to go to L.A. and do this. So the more you're out, the more we're seeing Durant and Giannis and Harden and the other players, and they're going to lap you. That's another thing I think 
unfortunate for hockey, it doesn't have. And you know, if you listen to the show, that That's I, I enjoy the hockey playoffs, I enjoy the NHL, but there's a Game 7 tonight in the NHL playoffs. And I think if I sat in Armory Square and just randomly asked people to name me a member of the Dallas Stars or the St. Louis Blues, I'd be sitting there a long time. The Avalanche pushed it to a Game 7 last night against San Jose, too. There's a lot of talent, and there's a lot of great players on both of those teams, right? No, Seth, Mike Madonna was no longer on the Stars. Nice guess, though. So that's the unfortunate thing for hockey. Is they don't have the star power the NBA does, but it has its qualities. I just the, There's nothing like playoff hockey to me. But when I see Marshan do that last night, I mean, you're not helping. Bob in Liverpool wanted to chime in on that at four three seven seventy six forty four. What's up, Bob? Hey, how are we doing? Um, first of all, I'm not a Marshawn fan at all. But what happened was earlier in the series against Columbus, in the faceoff circle, Marshawn before the puck was dropped, put his stick, put his blade, his skate blade on the blade, hockey blade of the uh, opponent, and snapped his blade right off. And then so the I think a, that reporter. The guy had to say something to the ref. He had to skate over, get a right. new stick, came back, a little scuffle, nothing big. The next game, before the next game started, pregame skate, one of these young guys would interview him, and he asked him a couple normal questions, and Marshawn answered normal, and then he threw in real quick. He goes, hey, Did something you, along the lines of, right. you need your skate blade sharpened or right. not. And, and he, Marshawn just blew him off and skated away. And that same guy, after they won it the other night, in post game, asked him a few, few questions, and Marshawn gave him one word, one word answers, and he carried over into the locker room. Yeah, so. we, yeah. See, that's what bothers me. If like you have a problem with that guy, either don't do the interview, or why carry that into the locker room with you know six, seven, eight, how many number of people it was that did not ask. And by the way, it wasn't even that bad of a question. I mean, I I watched that interview you're talking about the second one. Where he said, "Did you sharpen your skate?" I think he was just kind of throwing in kind of a fun jab at the end of the interview for Marshan to take it that seriously and be a jerk to everybody else. I mean, I don't think you're helping there. Thanks for the call, Bob, and the, and the backstory on that for those that didn't know that. I mean, hockey, especially, look, Brad Marshan's a great player for the Bruins. Hockey fans know who he is, but he is not Sidney Crosby. He is not Alexander Ovechkin. He is not somebody that can do this and and people will get why. you got to try a little harder than that. And don't punish the other reporters and whoever else is in that locker room that had nothing to do with that. I mean, now you're just, you know, come on, get over yourself. Let's break on that now. We'll come back with more, including Adam Kaufman from WBZ in Boston next hour. Chris Carlson, top of the hour on Syracuse football and a number of things. We've got a lot to do. Hang in there. Thank you. Bye-bye.